So Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to be beginning in verse number 32. What we're looking at this morning is prevailing in battle. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you're in a battle today. Uh, the worst kind of battle is the battle you don't know about. Amen. That's the worst kind of battle. Have you ever seen somebody that they're in a battle and they don't realize it and you just want to tell them to wake up? Like, get in the game. You know, you need to get in, in, in the game and get involved because the enemy is out to destroy your soul or destroy your family. And sometimes people are so preoccupied with the, the natural things of this life that they don't understand or see or comprehend that they're drowning in the battle that's at hand. So today we're looking at this battle and we see a battle raging even in America right now on all kinds of different fronts. We see uh, battles, but we're looking at the battle that you can't see. Because there's a battle that you can't see, and that's the battle that the enemy is raging against you to keep you. Look, if he can't defeat you, he wants to keep you boxed in so that, he, so that you can't be useful for the kingdom of God. And I want you to know today that's a lie from the pit of hell because God uses folks like you and me. God uses average, ordinary people because he gets glory whenever he puts his Holy Spirit in people. He gets gets glory when he takes people out of the gutter and cleans them off and breathes his Holy Spirit upon them and uses them for a holy purpose. And, and today I want you to see as we turn to verse 32 when the writer of Hebrews is reminding this congregation of something important. He said to call, he said, but call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. The writer here is telling the congregation to remember in the former days, that's the days that you first started, after you were illuminated, that means right after you got saved, right after you received the Holy Spirit, right whenever God began to do a work in your life, you were ready to endure anything and everything that came your way. But somewhere along the lines, we just kind of get fed up with this, that, and the other. The reason that we get fed up with this, that, and the other is because we're not feeding on the Word of God, because you'll never get full of the word of God. The river is a living fountain. When God begins to minister to you, it is inexhaustible. But when we begin to feed on the things of the word of the world, we will begin begin to turn away. Look what he says, you you endured a great fight of afflictions. Every person who's ever been illuminated that is saved sanctified, sealed by the Spirit. Every person who has been illuminated has faced an affliction. And like I said a while ago, the worst kind is the one that you don't know about. Or maybe you're not even trying to think about. The one that the enemy is lying to you about, keeping you lull, keeping you in a sleep, keeping you being a sleepwalker instead of uh, walking in the power of the Spirit. One of the things that I wanted to point out here is that he said to remember, 
Remember those times. You know why it's important to remember those times in your life? Do you remember a time in your life after you got saved? Do you remember a time in your life whenever you thought you didn't deserve God's grace? You didn't deserve God's goodness? You didn't belong in the kingdom of God because God had revealed to you your very nature, that you were a sinner, that you, you, know, you, you were not right with him. And you remember that God's mercy came upon you when you heard the gospel message. That is the gospel message, is that God loves you and he's pouring out your mercy upon you through Christ's work at Calvary by your faith. And that mercy, whenever we remember that, it just reminds us, you know what? God didn't have to save us. God didn't have to set us apart. God didn't have to have mercy on anybody, but he chose to have mercy on everybody, on the whosoever. And, and he's, he's saying, remember those days, guys. The worst thing we can do is forget God's been good to us. The worst thing we can do is forget that God has been good to us. Because if you'll remember that, then you also need to know God's nature because God never changes. God has been good to you. God has poured out his mercy to you. God welcomes you into the kingdom of God by your faith in Jesus Christ. That and that alone. And if God's been good to you in the past, hello, he's going to be good to you today. And if he's going to be good to you today, if the Lord tarries and he gives you tomorrow, guess what? When you wake up tomorrow, he's going to be good tomorrow too. Remember, he's saying remember because it brings you back to a place, a point of reference. Because a lot of times people get off track because we begin to launch out into places and doing things that we don't belong in. The worst thing that a believer can do is get involved in things that don't involve them. This is one of the worst things we can do because we will get caught up in battles that God didn't put us in. We'll get preoccupied with things of the world instead of the things of God. And when we do that, we will begin to lose footing. We will begin to lose ground. So the, the writer here says, call to remember, call to remember, look, that means testify. Testify. When was the last time you gave your testimony to somebody? You know, you talk to some people and they say, well, I'm just not an evangelist. Well, everybody is because everybody has a testimony. Your testimony may not be like somebody else's testimony. Yeah, but your testimony is real and there's no better person to tell it than you because you're the one that feels it. You know, the worst thing that you can do is, I mean, one of the worst things in ministries whenever you talk to people that are artificial. You know what I mean? When they talk about something that they don't know about. Like, we don't, we're not here to read a book report about something we don't know about. We're here to testify something that we know that we know that we know. And so that God enables his people and empowers his people to call to remember, that is to testify, share your testimony. Sometimes you just need to remind yourself. Sometimes you just need to remind yourself that, you know what, I was hopeless. I was an addict. I was down and out. 
but God had mercy on me. He gave me hope when he sent Jesus to this forsaken and fallen world. He gave me mercy through the cross, and God didn't have to. One of the the best things we can do is just remember that God had mercy on us. Amen? That God had mercy on us. But we're, we're going to be looking at something today about enduring this. Do you see where it says you endured a great fight? This is really what we're going to be focusing on in this message. Enduring. How do we endure a battle? Well, if you don't think you're going to win, you probably won't endure. Right? Yeah, I mean, most people, if they don't think they're going to win a battle, they're not going to endure all that, that comes their way. They're going to give up. And most of the time, whenever we're not focused on the right thing and our faith is not in the right thing, we'll begin to lose battles. We'll begin to lose focus. We'll begin to lose faith. And then we will no longer endure to the end. One of the, the, thing, the thing that the writer of Hebrews is getting us to do is to know our call is to endure. Our call is to endure. Your call is not to get smarter so that you can fight better. Your call is to endure. To endure means you are reserving faith unto God, not into self. If you begin to trust yourself and you begin to, to, you begin to look to yourself, you will begin to lose steam. You'll begin to put faith in something you're not supposed to. But to endure, we must wage battle in the Spirit. We must wage battle in the Spirit. Any person, uh, in every person who goes through a spiritual battle must get to that place where they resign all their hope on Christ. You hear me? Every spiritual battle, you must get to the place where you resign all hope to Christ. When we don't, when we don't, we begin to take on water on the boat. And then we begin to start flailing around and not enduring the battle. God didn't tell you to win the battle. He already won it. All he called you to do is endure it. Jesus said in the end of Matthew, he said, all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Go ye therefore. All power is transferred into Jesus Christ, and he then gives it to his body. He has won the victory. He has won the victory over death, over hell, over the grave, and over all the demons in this world. He has won the victory. He is victorious today. God is not telling you to be victorious. He's telling you to stand in his victory. He's not telling you to win the war. He's telling you to stand in faith in the war. He's already won. And when we don't do that, we won't endure. When you begin to try to fight the battle yourself, you'll lose. When you switch from the spiritual to the natural, you're setting yourself up for a hopeless situation. It's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. When when we're not walking like we should with the Lord, it's only a matter of time before these things come to the surface. Amen? Those roosters come home eventually. The roosters come home eventually. Amen? Turn with me to to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, just a few pages backwards. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, what we're going to be looking at is, like I said, enduring. How we can endure. And the charge that God gives the church is to be his ambassadors. His ambassadors. If you've ever uh, seen these things work in government, an ambassador is not in a foreign land to fight. Hello? An ambassador is not there to fight. An ambassador there is to stand in a place of victory that's already been purchased. When an ambassador for America is in a foreign nation, that foreign nation knows they can't do anything to that ambassador or they're going to feel the wrath of the United States. That ambassador is not there to wage war, but to stand in the victory that America is standing in. An, an emissary, an ambassador. And when, when you look at the battles that rage, the things that we go through, the spiritual battles that you and I and every believer faces, we all face them. So don't lie to yourself. We all face them. You're not, the, the devil's not just picking on you. Every believer faces battles. Nobody has a shortcut. Nobody gets to get out of it. Every believer is called to endure. You're not called to win. You're not called to gain victory on your own. You're called to stand in his. Your job is just to endure to the end, to hold faith to the end. Amen? Now, when we, when we look at the battle, look, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Verses 3 through 5. Paul says here, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Paul's right there. This is why we don't go march on City Hall. This is why, because we know more victories are going to be won on our knees at altars than by holding posters at City Hall. We know that the victory does not come naturally, but it comes spiritually. Every single opposing force that is against you is spiritual in nature. Yes, there is a physical manifestation, but the source of it is spiritual. And when you forget that, you get off track. Amen? When you forget that, you get off track. The effect of every battle can be seen in the physical or in the natural, but its source is in the spiritual. You see that? The, the effect. How many of you know you've seen the effect of some battles, right? You've seen no peace in the home. You've seen turmoil in the marriage. You've seen sickness. You, you've seen oppression. You've seen darkness. You've seen depression. You've seen all kinds of, of things that come up. You can see the effect of them, but the source is in the spiritual. The source is in the spiritual. So Paul said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. See, we're not here to put a Band-Aid on something. We're here, to draw the, we're here to draw the poison out. We're not going to put a Band-Aid on something that needs to be drawn out. You understand? We're here to get to the source of the issue. 
We're not here to just throw a little makeup on it and send it on its way. We're here to get down to the root cause of the problem. And to do that, it's in the spiritual realm. So the worst thing that a believer can do is begin to focus on the natural. The things of the natural are not your enemy. That's not where your battle lies. So when things start looking bad in the natural, where do we turn to? The spiritual. When things look hopeless in the natural, where do we run to? The spiritual. Because we know that's where the victory is. We know that's where things are going to change. And we know that's where we can affect circumstances. You can hit somebody in the head with a hammer, but you can't make them love you. The only way somebody's going to change is when the Spirit of God begins to work on their heart. You see problems in America today? Everybody can. Doesn't even matter what side of the fence you're on. Nobody's happy. You see somebody happy in America today? They must be full of the Holy Ghost because everybody else ain't happy. Everybody else is complaining and hopeless and mad and ready to tear each other their throats out. The only people that are happy right now are either people that don't have cable, internet, or nothing like that, or people filled with the Holy Ghost. Because when you look to things in the natural, it will stir you up to get in the natural realm. Now, once a believer gets over there, you're not going to endure. You're not going to endure. Look, if you prioritize the natural, you set yourself up for natural results. Well, what's the harm, brother? I mean, I'm just getting a little excited about the things of the natural. Shouldn't we all? Well, if you do that, you're going to, look, you're going to reap what you've sown. If you sow to the Spirit, the Bible says you will reap of the Spirit life everlasting. But if you sow to the flesh, that's the natural, you will of the flesh reap corruption. You want to see the, pro the problem that most of us are facing is that we are, listen to this, we are sowing to the flesh fear, doubt, worry, anger, anxiety. We're waging war in the flesh. We are sowing to the flesh, and then we're going to sprinkle a little bit of faith on top and think that we're not going to reap that same harvest. You understand what I'm saying? You can, you, you, you can see this played out in so many lives because when you begin to allow the enemy just a little bit of room in your life, you'll see that he's not satisfied with just a little bit. If you allow the enemy to have a square inch, right? Well, it's just one hour. I'm just going to blow off a little steam. I'm just going to do this a little bit. I'm just going to do that a little bit. You begin to allow the enemy just a little bit of ground, you will soon find the enemy is not satisfied. Because the enemy is not out to have a little bit of your life. The Bible doesn't say that the, that the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may get a square inch. He's not looking for a square inch. He's looking to destroy. 
He's looking to devour. He's looking to, to, to bring destruction into you and into those around you. And you, you know what? You, may be, you might be that one that he uses so that he can get to other people. So we see here that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Look, we are called to be a people of faith, to fight the battles in the spirit, to bring and cast down those things that exalt themselves against the word of God and against the spirit of God. Anything and everything in our lives that begins to exalt itself up, and if it's not Jesus, you're supposed to cast it down. You're not supposed to find your identity in anything other than Christ. God didn't save you so that he can make you a Democrat or a Republican. He saved you so that he could sanctify you, put his Holy Spirit in you so that he could use you to be a light in a dark world. That's your calling. Don't lose sight of your calling in the midst of troubled times. We have to remember where the battle is and that the battle belongs to the Lord. We have to remember where the battle is and that the battle belongs to the Lord. The gospel brings victory against every human reasoning. You know that God can bring victory? It, it is, there is nothing that can stand up to the power of God. And yet, what do we do? We're going to go protest at City Hall. We're going to go bash in people's windows. We're going to go light trash cans on fire. We're going to go stomp around and, and, and throw a fit. But yet there's a power at work in this world in which no human reasoning can defy. That is the power of God. Look, I've seen this happen in marriages before. When a, when a husband was so angry and hated God and a wife was so bound and determined to have a godly husband and she would just pray and pray and pray. It took a decade of prayer. But you know what? One day, the Spirit of God arrested that man and he came to his senses and he realized his need for Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can detour the Spirit of God. Victory is in the spiritual. And, and, and I think back about this person, and I think, you know, most people would have given up. Most people would have, you know, tried to hit them with a crowbar or the frying pan or something like that. Most people would have gone and, and begin to fight that battle in the natural or just given up, not been able to endure but had this woman of God not been founded in the faith and begun to fight in the natural, I believe she wouldn't have endured. She only endured because her faith was in Jesus and not in the things of the natural. In whatever battle it is, whatever battle it is, the answer is the same. The answer is the same. The, now, one of the things that I want to show you, there's a, a couple of... 
a, a couple of promises that we have in the Bible, and that is that, that God is going to cause you to prevail. But there's some things that will prevent you from prevailing, okay? There are, God's desire is for you to prevail in the things that he sets you to. God's desire is that you walk in victory. Did you know that? God's desire is that you walk in victory. But there are times that the church doesn't prevail. So we're going to look at that. And to do that, let's go back to Jeremiah chapter number one. Jeremiah chapter number one. This is whenever the Lord called, whenever the Lord called Jeremiah, it says that the word of the Lord came to him. And then God began to speak and God began to tell him what he's called him to do. And what God was about to do in Jeremiah's life defied logic. Jeremiah is about to get a call to ministry for over 40 years to outlast over five kings and to never have one soul turn to him. He's about to have a ministry literally of talking to the wall for 40 years. And you don't think that that might be a cause to lose endurance? How many times have you been involved in a situation where you say, I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried and I'm done? Well, you know what? When you fight your spiritual battles that way, you will not endure. It's not about you trying and trying and trying and trying. It's about you standing in faith, standing in faith, standing in faith, being who God has called you to be, fighting those battles in the spiritual, not in the natural. Not in the natural. If you begin to fight in the natural, you're going to get natural results. But if you fight in the spirit, all the promises of God are in him. Yes and amen. Hallelujah. Now there's, there's a promise in this passage. I want you to see. There's a promise in this that you, uh, there's a promise for you to prevail in the thing that God sets before you. So let's look real quick. We're going to start in verse 15. I want, there's, it's, it's kind of long, but I want you to see this. Verse 15. God's telling Jeremiah something. Look what he said. He said, Lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set everyone his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. How many people is God calling? All the people from the north. That's a lot. That's a lot. Jeremiah is about to be set against a lot of people. Okay? In other words, if you're looking for people to throw roses on you and to be popular with other people, you might find a new line of work, Jeremiah. But this is what you were made for. This is what your destiny is. This is the calling on your life. Now, you're not Jeremiah, but you have a calling on your life to be a light to those in darkness around you. 
There are people around you that God has called to you. There are people around you that you are just naturally, somehow, some way, they just flock to you. You're friends with them. You, you work with them. You go to school with them. They're just people that somehow, they're just in your life. They're there for a reason. God put them there. And God's telling Jeremiah at a young age, he's saying, Jeremiah, I'm bringing everybody from the north to you. I'm bringing them to you because there's a purpose on your life. You're going to be a vessel that I can use. Everybody's got a different, a different type of people around them. Some people, you know, you, you, you're in a group and all you talk about is sports and you get all these kind of people. God wants to use you to get those people. Or God might use you to get around a different set of people. It might be Republicans or Democrats. Or it might be somebody at work. It might just be that everybody at work just flocks to you. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. God is calling them to you. God is drawing them so that he can get through you to other people. Look, if God didn't want to use people, if God didn't want to use people after you got saved, he'd bring you to heaven. But God's plan and God's purpose is accomplished through people. God uses average, ordinary people with a supernatural infilling of the Spirit. That's who God uses. So he says in verse 16, after he brings all these people, I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and have worshipped the works of their own hands. Now, see, this is the part of the calling that's not comfortable. There's a part of the calling that's not comfortable because you have to be able to say, you know what, you're worshiping the things of your own hand. You're worshiping the things that you can do yourself. You're worshiping the wrong thing. And if you don't have those guts, right, you have to get refilled with the Spirit. There's nothing wrong with coming back to the Lord and saying, Lord, fill me again. In fact, we need to do that more in our churches you can't survive off of one filling, you leak. You need to come back to the Lord for a fresh infilling, a fresh baptism, a fresh touch from heaven to get reignited by the fire of the Holy Spirit. We need that in our lives or we're not going to fulfill the things that God has for us. But it takes a holy boldness to do that. Do you agree? It takes a holy boldness for somebody to say, you know what? You, 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 all you care about is the things of this world. Don't you think about the things of eternity? Don't you think about that, that, you know what, you're worshiping what you can accomplish with your hands instead of dedicating yourself to the Lord that made you? There's all kinds of different ways, and God uses all kinds of different people to do the same thing, and that is to testify about him. And so that's the, that's the, the gauntlet there. Tell them the truth, Jeremiah. Look, you know what? One of the greatest travesties that we have is when we try to, try to sprinkle sugar on top of God's truth. You can't make truth palatable. Truth, like Sister Lindsay said, it's, it's that, that sword of, of the word of God. It is quick. It divides soul and spirit. It gets into that root issue, and it is a quickening force. You don't try to make it palatable. It is the un, 
unalterated word of God that people need so that they can know the reality of the situation and hear a word from heaven. That is what we need. And when we believe that word from heaven, it will pull us out of any and every dark situation we find ourselves in. Oh, the word of God. We always say it, but do we realize it is a a lamp for our feet and a light for our path? It's what gives us understanding. It's what gives us our bearings. It's how we know left from right, up from down. It's how we know we're going in the wrong direction. Without the word of God, we have no bearing for our lives. What are you going to do, judge yourself by somebody else's standard or by God's? What good does it do to judge yourself by somebody else's standard? Well, I don't get as drunk as they do. Well, I don't run around on my spouse as much as they do. Well, I don't get as high as they do. Well, I don't steal as much as they do. This is the way that the world works. What are you going to do? Judge yourself by the standard of the world? Which one? Which group? Because it all fluctuates. But God's standard never changes. God's standard has been the same from before he created this world. It's the same today, and it'll always be the same. That's why we need the word of God, so that we can know where we stand, so we can know the reality of the situation. It's like a doctor that doesn't tell you the truth. You have a bad condition, What if the doctor just doesn't want to tell you the truth because he doesn't want to make you have a bad day? Well, we'd say that's not a good doctor. Don't make the diagnosis palatable. Give me the truth. I want to know the reality of the situation about what I'm facing. This is what the Word of God does. It goes in like a scalpel, and it gets right to the issue. And it's the best thing for us. So here we see that, that Jeremiah's call was, was to give that truth. And how many of you know that that's probably not fun? If you've ever had to tell somebody they're going in the wrong direction, it's not the most fun conversation. Look at verse number 17. We're, we're going to read to verse 19. 17, he says, Thou therefore... Gird up thy loins and arise. Speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. Do you realize the only thing that could stop Jeremiah from fulfilling his call was himself? By being confounded by the enemy. If you would just rest in faith in what I've spoken, Jeremiah, you will make it. But if you allow the enemy to confound you, if you allow the enemy to dismay you, I will unwind you before their very eyes. This this is what I call compromise. If you begin to back off, if you begin to lose hope, if your faith is not in what God has said, then you will find it's going to be what undoes you. Look here. He said, for behold, 
I have made thee this day a defensed city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. They shall, they shall fight against you. They shall fight against you. It is coming. This is the way that God designed it. It, it is the lie of the enemy to think that you're supposed to be at ease in Zion. We are called to walk by faith, but faith is a battle. Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. There is no realm in which faith is not a fight. There is no realm in which you're not called to the battle when you think that you're losing. It says they shall fight against thee. But they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. They will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you in Jesus' name. It's an old truth. I heard Leonard Ravenhill say one time, he said, we need to come back to this reality that God with one person is a majority. You might have the whole world against you, but if you've got God for you, look, you on the right side. Amen. You might find yourself in a hopeless situation. You might say, you don't understand what it's like at my home. You don't understand what it's like at work. You don't understand what it's like between these ears, Brother Kenny. You don't understand, right? Well, I know this, that if God's with you, you got the battle. I don't know what you're up against, but there's nobody that can overcome the work of God. And God plus one person is a majority. You might have your whole family against you. You might have your whole company against you. You might have a whole half of a nation against you. You might have all kinds of people against you. But if God be for you, who can be against you? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The battle belongs to the Lord. There's a, there's a problem though because God said they're going to fight against you but they won't prevail because I'm with you, right? But do you know that there are, there are times that the church does not prevail? There are times that the church does not prevail. I'm going to give you three of them. Three times the church does not prevail is when we pick the wrong battles. You pick the wrong battle, you're not going to win. It's like I said the other day, you know, God, God if, if you are out signing people up to vote, at an election in November, but you're not out sharing with them the gospel that could save their soul for eternity, you're fighting the wrong battle. 
I'm not saying don't do the one, but I'm saying the other is more important. Pick the right battle. You might prevail. You talk to some people, they're like, everything I do is wrong. Well, what battle are you fighting? What battle are you fighting? Are you fighting the battle that the Lord has put you in? Or are you fighting one that you think you need to be in? Need to remember which battle God has put you in. And the battle God has put you in is the one, the kingdom of God against the kingdoms of this world. That's the battle. And anything that we set ourselves to that are not toward that end, towards God getting glory, God saving souls, anything that we set ourselves to that is not part of that battle, there's no promise of prevailing. God never promised that your sports team would win. He never promised your political team would win. He never promised those things. Like I tell people, God never promised you a savings account. He didn't. He never promised you a savings account. But what he did promise, he'd be your provider. Amen. He did promise that. He did say that he would take care of his children, didn't he? Even if he has to feed you by a bird to bring bread to you by the mouth of a bird, he will do what he needs to do to provide for his children. So don't fight the wrong battle. Believe in the right one. So many times I've seen people, they get off track because they begin picking the wrong battles. I've seen people get saved, get, get right with the Lord, start getting involved in their church, and then they get wrapped up in the wrong battles. And it takes them right out of God's plan and God's purpose. See, whenever we're not busy with the kingdom work, we begin to get busy with the work of the world. And so, number one is picking the wrong battles. Number two, uh, and, and that, would, that would be with the call, okay? If, you, if you're picking the wrong battles, it's because you don't know the call of God on your life. That's it. If, if you're picking the wrong battles, get back on your knees and get back to a place where God can speak to you in that secret place and remind you and whisper to you the call and the purpose and the plan of God for your life. If you don't, you'll get involved in the wrong situations, you'll get involved with the wrong people, and you'll go to the wrong places. You have to know the call of God on your life. It is vitally important. So number one is picking the wrong battles. Number two is playing with the flesh. They're all P's just to help you. You pick the wrong battles, number one. Number two is playing with the flesh. What is that? That's compromise. That's compromise. The, the, it, that's where Jeremiah's call was to not make the truth palatable, but to speak the truth in its totality, not compromise it, right? His call was not to say, hey, Northern Kingdom, we're here to have a concert. Everybody lift your hands, shout. His call was not to entertain. His call was not to, to make it, it palatable. His call was to speak the truth to them. Do you know that if they would have received the truth, God would have held back judgment? You know that? 
God's desire is not to destroy. His desire is to bring reconciliation. God's not willing that any be lost. God's not willing that any go to hell. God's not willing. He gives us Jesus Christ to keep us and preserve us. But so many people, so many people play with the flesh and they compromise and they find themselves involved in things they don't need to be involved in. There, there, there is a truth to this that I want you to see. There's a truth to this that I want you to see. This compromise, this compromise. The only thing that could have stopped Jeremiah was Jeremiah. All, I want you to see that in, in verse number 18. All of the enemy was coming against him, but God said, I've made you a defense city. I've made you brazen walls. In other words, there is nothing that the enemy can do to penetrate what I have put around you. When God places his hedge over his people, there is no demon, no devil, no demonic force that can tear it apart. The only thing that could have brought defeat to Jeremiah was him and his compromise. And we have to give him credit. He never did. He never compromised. But look what it says in, in verse, uh, ver verse 17. He said, speak to them, in the middle of it, speak to them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. What would have brought defeat to Jeremiah? Him being dismayed. What, is it, what does it mean to be dismayed? He stops enduring. He loses confidence. He gets off track. He gets involved in the wrong battle. God, look, I don't know if you heard this a while ago, but I said Jeremiah, he prophesied for over 40 years, over five different kings. That's a lot of people from all the northern kingdoms, all of them. God never said, I want you to make sure they all get saved. Because sure as Jeremiah started out and nobody started listening, he'd get dismayed. Don't you think? It was vital to his call to understand what the call was. The call was to speak the truth. Let them deal with it. Pray for them. Pray for them. But the call is to speak the truth. That's the call. Don't get off track. Because if you do, you'll get dismayed. If you begin to fight the wrong battle, you'll get dismayed too. Let me tell you why. You, you look at the election right now. I don't even know what side of the political spectrum you're on. But whichever way things go, somebody's not going to be happy. And if you put all your eggs in that basket, sooner or later, a year from now or four years from now or eight years from now, you're, gonna, you're just going to be all kinds of messed up. But you know what the Bible tells us? Jesus is the king. He's the king today, and he's the king forevermore. I don't care who the president is. Whether it's Nero or whether it's Trump or Biden or whoever else may come along next, it doesn't matter because Jesus is still the king. 
And that's where the church rests. We don't have to get worked up because it's already been worked out. But when you get involved in the wrong battle, you lose the call of God on your life. And that's when you no longer endure. But God has set it up so that you can prevail today. Number one is when you pick the wrong battle, that's when you lose the call. Number two is when you start playing with the flesh. That's compromise. Number three, it's got to be probably the most common or one of the most common is prayerlessness. When you lose communion with God, your communion with God is, is built on your prayer life. I, said, I talked about Leonard Avenue earlier. One of his other quotes was, no, no, man is, no man is greater than his prayer life because that shows your desire for communion with God. Everybody can talk the talk, Right? Everybody can talk the talk. But communion with God is based on prayer. And no one's greater than their prayer life. A lot of people can go to church and get a I went to Sunday school sticker. But that don't mean you went to the altar. It don't mean that you went to the throne. It don't mean that you connected with God. It doesn't mean that you set apart time. And every day, every day of our life, you must fight to get into that secret place with God. Whatever it costs you, cut away time to get into the secret place with God so that you can speak to God and God can speak to you. And through that communion, boldness, holy boldness will grow. But prayerlessness is when you've lost sight of communion with God. So when we lose the call and we compromise and we lose communion with God, that's when we set ourselves up to not prevail. But do you realize this? Other than that, other than that, the battle is the Lord's. All you have to do is stand in it by faith. The battle belongs to the Lord. He's going to get a witness out of this generation. Everybody's done written off this young generation that's in college and high school today. Everybody's done throwing them to the trash, but God hasn't. God's not willing that any perish. God's not done yet. The trumpet hasn't blown yet. And until that buzzer sounds, you're supposed to be involved in the game. We're supposed to set ourselves to the call, to the battle, until that trumpet blows. And, and there's so many people, they, they've given up on this group, and they've given up on that group. And they've get, but you know what? If you're resting in Christ, you're not going to give up because God hasn't given up. God is going to get a witness out of some folks. So... Prevail. It says in verse number 19, they shall not prevail against thee for I am with thee. Do you believe that today? Do you believe God's with you? Do you believe God wants you to prevail today? Let me take you to one last scripture. Matthew 16, we'll close right here. Matthew 16, verse 18. Matthew 16, verse 18. Here's the thing, 
I believe it was F.B. Meyer one time, he said that unbelief puts your circumstance between you and God. You hear that? He said unbelief puts your circumstance between you and God. But faith puts God between you and the circumstance. Faith puts God between you and the mountain. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Because we have battles. We have mountains in our families. We have problems in our own lives. We have situations in our nation or our church that only God can move. And if we're not fighting those battles in faith, it's not going to work. The battle will prevail against us. So here we see in, in, in Matthew 16 is the Lord's ministering to Peter, and, and Peter has this revelation that Jesus is the Christ. Look what the Lord says in verse 18. He said, I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, that's the, the rock of the revelation, right? Upon this rock, I will build my church. Hello? Are you the church? He said, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The same promise that God gave Jeremiah, he gives to the church right here. He told Jeremiah, you do what I've called you to do. Don't compromise. Stay in communion with me, and they will not prevail against you. And the church has the exact same call, the same promise. Look, you stand on this rock, and the gate of hell will not prevail against you. Look, I don't know what you're facing, but I know this, the gate of hell cannot prevail against you if you war in the faith. Amen. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. They are so mighty that the gate of hell can't prevail against you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Whatever the battle is, it belongs to the Lord. When you fight in faith, you'll see prevailing happen. But not until then. Not until then. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up.